We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. Our God still holds the church. How are you this morning? Good? <laughs> Lisa's good? <laughs> well,
Well, we are glad to see you all here this morning. We're a little bit light. Have you looked around and seen that we're a little bit light? It's because we had a women's retreat. They're finishing at Golden Bell this morning. Two of us are here from that, Jane and me. We, we drove in this morning quickly to get here for church this morning, but they are really having a wonderful time with the Lord out there. So uh, we've been praying for them this weekend. So we are, um, half of our women are there this weekend. So we're excited about that. So let's just stand together and let's join in worship together this morning. We're excited to be here. You ready to praise? Amen. I've got joy in the struggle. I got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle. I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven. My hope is secure. I've got joy because I've got Jesus. He gave me
myself. Is that it? All right, it was my fault, my mistake. Happy to be here with you. I'll figure my, my stuff out if, if you'll just walk with me. Everybody doing okay? Well, I got a half-hearted yes over here, so I'll take that. How are we doing over on this end? Everybody doing okay? All right, well, I'm glad that you decided to come to church this morning. My name's Dale, and, and I'm one of the pastors here on uh, staff at Woodland Park Nazarene, and I'm just glad that you came to church this morning, and I have good news for you. I'm here to give you announcements. I know that you're excited about that. I can tell. You're, you're holding back. Well, you should have gotten a, one of these on the way in, and um, we're, we're uh, glad to provide that for you. That should have all the uh, information that, that you need um, to uh, tell you what's going on in the life of the church. There's a card in the middle of that. But if you are a, a digital kind of person, we have a way now that you can um, bypass um, killing all the trees, um, and that is a QR code. And I think we have one of those. Do we have a QR code? There it is. So um, we have worked out this thing now where if you would get that, and I think we're going to print that somewhere. It may even be on your, on your bulletin. But um, you can go straight to um, that digitally. We're going to have a place where you can use a Connect card. You can get your prayer card. You can even get all of this information right on your phone. So if you want to take advantage of that, that would be awesome. And uh, we'll just make sure that we uh, continue to, to provide ways for you to connect with us. Um, you know that we, we switched over to a new database management software, and that's been really helpful for us. And uh, I hope that you're kind of enjoying that as well. So that's all part of this whole digital thing, and uh, it's here. Whether you like it or not, years and years ago, uh, when they started the VHS machine, you knew that we were headed over the edge in digital technology. Amen? All right. We're going to keep going. So um, those of you who um, have signed up for a small group, maybe your small group started this week. Maybe it is yet to start. But if you have started, you know that small groups are the lifeblood of a church. And we're so excited. I think we have eight or nine different groups going. And uh, also, there's a way to register on with that QR code. You can get involved in a small group. You should. You really uh, need to connect. Church is more than just on Sunday morning from 10 to 11.15. Did you know that? Maybe you didn't. Let me just tell you, church is more than just Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to 11.15. And uh, when we get involved with one another, when we do life together, that makes walking with Jesus all that much better. And so if you're not in a small group, you should be. And uh, let me, I'll just invite you to mine. We meet on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock, 6.30 in my house. And um, we're watching The Chosen. And we had a great conversation this, this past Wednesday night. And you're all invited. So just, uh, just come to my place. If you don't know where I live... Um, Ask me, and I'll tell you later, all right? Okay. Um, also, maybe you noticed on the way in, um, we have a couple of small portable units on our property. Did anybody see those coming in? Did anybody not see those coming in? Okay, good. You're all awake. So, um, a couple people asked me, and I, I regret that I hadn't had a chance to tell you. I wanted to, we, we had a couple things, a couple of hurdles that we needed to jump over before we, we kind of made it public, but our neighbor, Core. Um, is doing some major renovation, and they asked if they could lease some parking lot space from us while they're doing their construction project. And we said, how much money will you give us? And they gave us some money, so we're going to let them use some parking lot area. And, um, so, uh, and you all get a 5% reduction on your electric bill. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm, I'm working hard here. Come on, you got to give me something. So, so that's what those are all about. Um, but speaking of money, we have a very generous individual family in our, in our church that um, uh, agreed or actually approached me about creating a matching fund program so that we can reduce some debt 
on our property. And so this family said, I tell you what, we'll match dollar for dollar um, up to $50,000 of what our congregation can give. And so um, this, this ends in, I don't know, I didn't do the math, I think three or four weeks. October 15th is the last Sunday you can get in on that. But so far, I think we're 18000 and change toward that 50000 So praise God for that. You should clap for that. And, and if you are still praying about whether or not you want to jump in, continue to pray. Um, we're trying to knock this debt down, as you know, and, and that would free up funds to do other things. So praise the Lord for those of you who are doing that. Thank you for that. Um, ushers, if you get ready to come on up and receive this morning's tithes and offerings, um, every Sunday we receive an offering. Do you, do you know why we, we receive an offering every Sunday? Anybody have any ideas? To be obedient. We, we take an offering every Sunday morning out of obedience. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we have a king who blesses us so richly that out of a heart of love, we give back to him. And so every Sunday morning, we honor him by giving. And so you can give multiple ways. You can give online. You can give via text. You can give in the plate as it goes by. There's a box in the, in the lobby that you can give on the way in. But we just pray that you would, um, uh, that you would ask God what he would, he would put on your heart to give as you serve him. So can I pray for you this morning? as we get ready to receive today's tithes and offerings. God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship in your name. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would take um, our, our singing, our raising of hands, our, um, our fellowship as we fellowship with one another, the laughter, the tears. We pray that you would take our, our giving and that you would just um, that you would receive it from hearts that are full because we love you and we're so thankful that we have the opportunity to, to, to give to the king. We can give to the king a lot of different ways. God, you, you just have provided us ways to do that. You give through service. You can give through, through lots of different ways. But you do ask that we separate ourselves from currency <laughs> because you know currency has such a strong hold on us and when we can release that to you so what our way of acknowledging that we've released our most important things to you so God today work on us help us to become generous help us to become people of faith that relies purely on you take these gifts take these tithes and multiply them and use them to advance your kingdom here in Woodland Park and over this great state of Colorado and across our amazing country, the United States of America. And God, to the furthest corners of the world, take what we give and use it to advance your kingdom until you come back. Use us, God, in ways that we don't even, we can't even acknowledge because we're faithful and obedient to you. Thank you for these moments. God, we pray that as we continue in worship, that you would just come and settle in on this place. We want to hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. 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 Are you glad to be here this morning in the Lord's presence? If you had a hard week, we have a big reason. 
to praise his name and to be glad that we're here, that we have him. I give thanks to you, Lord, and sing praise to your name, O Most High. I declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me that I will sing for joy. give thanks to you, Lord, and sing praise to your name, O Most High. I declare your love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. For you, O Lord, have made me that I will sing for joy at the work of your hand and rejoice in what you have done. Rejoice in what you have done.
All that I have is a hallelujah. 
always stand in the light. His light. Reads it so well. He's talking about Christ being our high priest. He says, this high priest, we have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testing that we do. But he didn't sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen. So this next song we're going to sing talks about his throne. But specifically in the chorus, it talks about the, the veil being torn. And I just made some notes on that as I studied it this last week. And the curtain that was torn when Jesus died, when Jesus died, the, the curtain tore. And there's some significant things about that. And one of them is that it's so heavy several tons. It's super heavy, several thousand pounds, but it took 300 priests to move it. 300. It was 60 feet by 30 feet high. And it was as thick as the palm of a, hand, a man's hand. So if you remember the old phone books, remember how you always tried to see if you were really strong enough to tear those in two, like the bionic woman, I, 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 I could barely, t I think maybe 20 pages, I could barely get started, but it just shows you how magnificent our God was, and then, not only that, but at 3 p.m., all the priests were gathered in the temple, and <laughs> the curtain tore, because God knew that they're all going to be there to witness God is intentional. He's powerful. And he took on everything for us. So there's nothing in this whole world that you can surprise him with. He knows it all. He knew what was coming. He knew the week that you had. He knew choices that you made. And yet, he still went to the cross. And I think sometimes we lose that awe. And that's what it struck me with this week is that I'm like, oh, Lord, don't let me lose that awe of who you are and what you've done and how you covered me when I didn't deserve it at all. So I just want you to think of that as we get ready to sing this next song and think of what it was when he tore that veil, how powerful just that was with that one thing. I mean, there was other things that happened. People rose from the dead when Jesus died. All the people that believed rose from the dead and they were walking the streets and that's another whole story but it was a remarkable moment that should never be forgotten and we should never ever forget to praise him when we have a chance to worship him we get to do this so it is so powerful when you just open your hearts up and let him come in there and work on you after a week and let you work on on just the things that he's trying to just tell you he loves you more than anything in the world enough to where he did all of that for you and you get a front row seat so we're going to step a little bit further into the throne room now 
so much for some of those things that we we hid in there. What a wonderful, magnificent faith that we have. Your 
reach our arms out to you, our hands out. Sometimes we just can't lift those arms. But our souls are just looking to you and praising you. You are an amazing, wonderful Father to us. Lord, you've walked with us through this week. You've seen everything. You've led us and guided us onto a path that we may have missed. Sometimes we get off those paths, Lord, and you, you ease us back up. I'm so grateful that you are just so loving and so gentle with us. We've already thought everything out for our lives. Lord, help us to walk in it. Help us to seek your face more than anything else, more than all the distractions this world brings us. Settle our souls down. Let us just listen for your still, small voice, because you will be there. You will answer us. Lord, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful that for how old it is, it is the most current book we can hold in our hands. Lord, I'm just so thankful that you've given it to us to encourage us, to guide us, to correct us. ready to bring us in here of your word, Lord. Open our hearts up. I pray that we'll be soft to you, Holy Spirit, that we will respond to you as we'll obey the vision you're telling us, Lord. Help us to live and choose you over our own desires. You know every life in this room and what's going on. And you're working in it. So help us respond to you. Help us to say yes to you. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for being a loving father. And we ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I like reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible. Found out, uh, found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. You know James had problems just like any other kid had problems. He tried to follow his big brother around. So everywhere Jesus went, James followed him. That's what little brothers do. So if Jesus went there, so did James. After that one time, James almost drowned. <laughs> oh, you just got that joke just now, didn't you? Jesus walked on water and James tried to make this one. Buddy. So, uh, there are a lot of good things in this life, but um, few things are better in this life than winning. And there's one thing better than winning. It's winning after people have doubted that you'll win. There's a time several years back now that... Um, 
my boys were a little younger, and you'll know the story is, is a few years old because I'm going to mention the word J.C. Penny. And uh, so we were, uh, we were at a mall. It's going to date me again. And uh, we were at J.C. Penny, and the kids, I, I don't even remember how old they were. They must have been, you know, elementary, mid-elementary, maybe 7, 8, 9, 10, maybe, maybe 10. And uh, Austin and I were kind of poking around as dads and sons do, and, and, and right there in front of us, there it was, the escalator. And I said, Austin, I bet you that I can walk up the down escalator before, you know, and I can get all the way to the top before it brings me back down. And he said, no way, Dad. You know what happened at that moment, right? Game on. It, I would have crawled up that escalator, you know, at that point. But, but younger days, I was, I was much, you know, much more in shape. And so I did. I, I exerted myself, and I made it all the way to the top of the down escalator. And he just kind of sat at the bottom and looked at me and said, you know, I, I mean, this is my interpretation of what he, what he said. He's, I'm thinking at the, at, at, at the end, when I'm up there like Rocky, I'm, th- I'm sure he's thinking, my dad is so awesome. Now, I, 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 it's probably not what he thought. But, um, but I did. I, I, I won that day, and, and I, 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 I know that he doubted me, and he had pretty good reason to doubt, because, you know, I'm an old man. But, but I, I, I did. I got all the way to the top of the escalator, and, and I won. Uh, there's this thing about doubt that has seeped into our, into our culture, and it's getting worse, I think. Doubt and skepticism seems to be ruling in our hearts and minds all over the place. You, you can't find too many corners of the world where there doesn't seem to be anything that's just taken at face value. There's so much doubt and there's so little trust and there's very little faith. And uh, so I, I, I found um, some evidence of this. Now, those of you who are um, my age, maybe a little older, you'll remember that the, the, the common uh, currency of the culture is its cartoons. Um, well, now we don't call them cartoons anymore. They're memes. And so I, I found some memes that, that will... will these are current modern memes that will prove to you what a skeptical, doubtful society that we are. Are you ready? Here we go. I hope this doesn't trigger the video because my first video didn't come up. So there it is. There it is. Okay. So here's, I found this one. Stay paranoid and trust no one. How's that for some encouragement for you? Uh, it gets better. So how about this one? Uh, I'm a good enough person to forgive you, but not stupid enough to trust you a second time. There's some skepticism for you. How about this one? Uh, here's a list of people that I trust. It's, you know, it's this big. Trust. How about this one? Trust nobody. Poor Mickey. Uh, Minnie's absconding off with Pluto or whoever it is. How about this one? Question everything. Why? I love that one. That's my favorite. And then this, this last one is this. Trust no one. Salt and sugar have the same color. We're so skeptical. We have so much doubt in our culture. It's kind of sad, actually. Because having reservations about everything weakens our joy. Although, um, there is such a thing as healthy doubt. There was a defendant who was on trial for murder. And there was strong evidence indicating guilt, but there was no body. And so because there was no body, um, there was plausibility that he didn't do this murder. And so in the defense's closing statement, the lawyer, um, knowing that his client would probably be convicted, 
he resorted to a Hail Mary pass. And he stood up in front of the, of the gallery and of, in front of the, the, uh, the group there. And he said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, um, I've waited the entire uh, trial for this moment. I have a surprise for all of you. He said, um, within one minute, within 60 seconds, the person presumed dead in this case will walk right through those doors in the back of the courtroom. He motioned at the courtroom door, and the jurors, absolutely stunned, all looked on eagerly. And he watched his watch, and he watched the back door. Fifteen seconds passed, and 30 seconds went by, and 45 seconds went by. And then as the clock ticked past the minute, everybody turned and looked at the defense attorney. He sheepishly had to admit, he said, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, but I made up that previous statement. But you all looked on with anticipation. I therefore put to you that you have reasonable doubt in this case and and insist that you return a verdict of not guilty. The jury was completely discombobulated. They were confused and they were tired to deliberate. It didn't take them long. It was a few minutes, maybe, maybe 10 minutes later, the jury returned and pronounced a verdict. Guilty. The defense attorney jumped about of his seat. How? I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. You must have had some doubt. I saw all of you stare at the door. And the jury foreman stood up. He said, oh, we looked, but your client didn't. See, doubt is helpful, but we need to be careful with it. It can find its way into your soul, and it can affect your faith in God. Doubt is very powerful. Left unchecked, it can change how you think. It changed how you feel. Therefore, it could change how you believe and act. It really does affect our faith in God. And so Jesus' courageous little brother, James, he put together this, this book. He wrote a practical instructional book on how to follow Christ. And we've been talking about it for the past few weekends. Week one, we talked about joy. Last weekend, we, we jumped into the, the pool of wisdom. This weekend, we're going to talk about doubt. And so last weekend, we stopped with, with James 1, 5, and, and James wrote this. He said, if you need wisdom, then just ask God. If you, if you need wisdom, you need to ask God. If you need wisdom, all you need to do is pray for wisdom. Oswald Chambers, I, I found this amazing quote. Um, if you don't know who Oswald Chambers was, um, he was a, a chaplain with um, the British um, Commonwealth, and he was involved in World War II, or World War I, rather, uh, theologian, uh, pastor, writer, prolific. And he, he wrote this about prayer. He said, prayer is not a normal part of the life of the natural man. What a sad statement. But he continued. We hear it said that a person's life will suffer if he doesn't pray, but I question that. What will suffer is the life of the Son of God in him which is nourished not by food, but by prayer. And when a person is born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born within him. And he can either starve or nourish that life. Prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished. Our common ideas regarding prayer are not found in the New Testament. We look upon prayer simply as a means of getting things for ourselves. But the biblical purpose of prayer is that we may get to know God 
himself. Prayer. We talked about it last week. If you need wisdom, ask God for it. So if you have your Bibles and if you're following along with us, we're going to be in James chapter 1. We're going to start um, in verse 6 here in just a second. But James 1 through 6, he talks about joy, he talks about wisdom, he talks about prayer, and then he takes a, a little, little hard turn. And it begins to take a difficult look at trust and insecurity and doubt, loyalty, faith. If you need wisdom, ask God. And then he continues. But when you ask him, but when you ask him, is it possible that there are conditions that need to be met so that God answers prayer? If you were to ask somebody if there are preconditions to God answering prayer, chances are most people would say, no way. God answers prayer. We, we, we sing it as a child all the way through. We just believe that. God answers prayer. We would say, no way. There, there's no way that there are preconditions. And part of that is because um, we, we have developed this prayer equation, I call it. We, we, we have developed this way of looking at prayer. And this is, what, this is the way that, that we, we, we factor our prayer life. We, we believe God is good. And so... Because God is good, he, he loves me. And because he loves me and because I have a need or I have a request or there's something that is going on in my life that I need him to address, God is good, he, he loves me, I have a need, and so I just ask. I mean, Pastor just told me, James wrote it himself, ask. And this is our factor. This is our equation. God is good, he loves me, I need, I ask, so I, I get. That's our kind of, 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 of equation that we use. And if there's, any, if there's any breakdown in any of that, if there's any gap in, in, in that, it's, it's God who's falling short on His end. If there's any breakdown in, in, that, in that equation, it's God who comes up short. It's God who has delivery problems. But can I share with you, um, God doesn't have delivery problems. Actually, God doesn't even have problems. God has people, but God doesn't have any problem. There's a problem. Don't look over to the God side of the table. God doesn't have delivery problems. So I want to give you the conditions that exist that James is talking about when he's writing his letter to the church. These conditions that exist on prayer that, that James, Jesus' courageous little brother, is telling us about. James is writing to believers. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, if, if you open your Bible and look at chapter 1 of James, he, he comes out and says it. I'm writing to, to the, 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 the lost 12 tribes of Israel, the church. I'm writing to believers. So condition number one in this prayer, uh, prayer thing for, for, for James is that you're a Christ follower. Condition number one. James is talking about being in difficult times, right? We just talked about this. If any of you um, are, are dealing with certain circumstances, if you're having trouble, ask for wisdom. So James is talking about being in difficult times. And so this, this particular prayer is for those who are struggling, those who are suffering, those who are struggling with temptation or trial. And then James gives us a recommendation that we need to ask for something. Usually our go-to is, God, will you fix this for me? God, can you um, eradicate my enemies? 
Will you give me more money? Will you make it so that my life is easier? Will you fix this for me, God? And James says, no, 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 no. No, if, if, if you're a Christ follower and you're struggling, you, you need to pray for wisdom on how to handle this situation, not for the, the, the solution. God will give you the solution. Ask for wisdom. So the third condition there is pray for wisdom. So back to James 1.6. If you are asking, when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. So the fourth condition of this particular prayer is that you're a Christ follower, you're struggling along, you're praying for wisdom, and then make sure that as you're praying, as you're going through this life, that your faith is in God alone. Well, who else would there be, Pastor? I mean, what else could we potentially put our faith in? Anything? Some of us have put in faith in ourselves. We're self-made men and women. We can do it. Just give me a tough situation, I'll work it out. We, we say we believe and trust in God for the solution, but we take it on ourselves. We strap in and we go. We put faith in ourselves. Maybe, maybe we put faith in our parents or our family members. Or some have putting their faith in the government. Well, I'm sure that the Democrats work this out. I'm sure the Republicans will come up with a solution. We put our faith in our government to work out issues. Or we put faith in magic or horoscopes. We go get our palm read or we read what's happening in the stars. We put our faith in anything other than just God. Because what happens when we split up our faith it allows room for wavering. It allows room for, for things to, to wobble a little bit. When's the last time that you rode a wooden roller coaster? I, I went a couple of weeks ago. Hannah, our little girl, was in town, and she loves roller coasters. And so I said, okay, let's go to Elis Gardens, and we'll go ride the roller coasters. And we did, and I love roller coasters. I, I, I love them. But I have to be honest with you, when we got to the Twister 3, Oh, my goodness. I'm watching this thing, and I'm telling you the truth. It must move six, maybe eight inches when, when, that, when that car comes in. That whole, not only the car's moving, but the whole roller coaster's moving. It's old. It's wooden. It's awesome. But that's what happens when, 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 when you're on a wooden roller coaster. It wobbles. It, it moves. And that feeling of not being sure, it's the, the way an awful lot of Christians live their life. There's room for wobbling. There's room for, for wavering. It's the way that a lot of people live their life when it comes to spiritual things. We put our, our faith in or, or our trust in something until we feel like it's not going the way we want it to. So we, we jump ship. We get nervous. We shift our faith into something else, something that maybe provides more chance of, of getting the results we desire. This isn't working out. God obviously isn't going to answer my prayer this way. Let's go in this direction instead. And we get ahead of God. And James has some instruction for Christians who are following after Jesus on how to deal with this idea of doubt and wavering. It goes on in verse number 6, James 1. Don't waver, Christian. 
A person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. He continues, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is a really tough one for some people. Because, I mean, come on, we we want options. We, We like to have choice. We want the ability to shift. If plan A doesn't work out, move on to plan B. If plan B isn't working, let's, 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 let's shift to contingency C. If it's not meeting my expectation, let's, let's go in a different direction. God clearly is wanting to do something else here. Let's, let's just abandon that. It's tough for us. But Jesus' courageous little brother James says, nope, this is not how it works. All your plans, all your strategies, All your faith has to be pinned on Jesus the Christ. And and if that's not you, if if that doesn't um, fit the description of you, James goes on in verse 8 to describe those who struggle right here. He says this. He says, people that waver, their loyalty is divided. Ouch. It's divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything that they do. That, that phrase, loyalty is divided, literally means you're, you're two-faced. You saw the Batman meme, right? You're two-faced. Your loyalty is divided. You're unstable. You're a hypocrite. You're double-souled. And it doesn't bode well for those who say that they believe in God and trust in God. Being unstable is a really difficult and unproductive way to live. And of all the people that would know this, it would be James. James should know, because a, a big part of his life, for, for, for the first half of his adult life, Even he didn't believe that Jesus was the Christ. And he grew up in the same house. So we're hearing very heartfelt, very personal encouragement from someone who dealt with significant feelings of skepticism. And after everything was said and done, after James observed everything, after he saw everything, after he heard everything, after he witnessed everything, James, Jesus' courageous little brother, emerged with no doubt. Now, there's there's some of us here that will take this and, and run to the far edge of the playground and maybe feel tremendous amounts of guilt for ever questioning or or, or wondering or doubting God. Can I, just, can I just give you a pass for that? Can I let you off the hook for that? For the record, I think it's totally human to struggle with doubt in your faith. I think if you have doubts, that's, that's okay. But what we do is form extreme positions. Like, if I have faith in God, then I won't have any doubt. Or if I have doubt, I really then don't have faith in God. And those two extremes are terribly unhelpful 
Don't, don't run to the corner of, of the wall on that. Paul Tillich, um, author, theologian, um, put it this way. It's, it's really a great way to look at things. He, he said this about, about doubt. He said, doubt is, the, is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is an element of faith. But doubt can't be a destination. You can't, you can't live there. It's a part of the journey, but you can't stay in doubt. And there's a significant contrast between doubt and wavering. When we waver or shift or vacillate between putting our complete faith in God and having our faith in anything else, when we waver, circumstances become the decision makers in our life. Situations determine the outcomes. Others control our responses. Can I just tell you, Christian, don't let that happen. Don't, don't allow situations or circumstances or, or, or others control the way that we respond. James says, James, Jesus' little brother, says it this way. He said, when you're dealing with difficult times, look up. When you're struggling with life, when you're having temptation and trials and difficult things are going on in your life, look up. A grand opportunity to show Christ to everyone is in the early stages of forming. I love that. With a heart of undivided faith, ask God for wisdom on how to get through what you're going through. And He will give it to you. Without rebuke, God won't look down on you for asking for wisdom. So, when that happens, you will continue to strengthen your endurance. And you will become complete. Mature. You'll grow to become more and more and more like Jesus. Um, Theodore Geisel, you probably know him as Dr. Seuss, wrote a poem in 1956. Uh, it's called The Zode. Um, I want to read it to you. It's pretty ap apropos. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to a sign at the fork of the road? He looked one way and the other way too. The Zode had to make up his mind what to do. Well, Azode scratched his head and his chin and his pants. And he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I, if I go to place one, that place may be hot, so how will I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel like a fool if I go to place two and find it's too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So place one may be best and not place two. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, went no place at all with a split in his pants. We can't have both. 
We can't be committed Jesus followers who waver, who waffle, who put our faith and our hope and our trust in Jesus and something else that leaves too much room. If you can trust God with your eternity, surely you can trust Him with your every day. And if you need a, a hall pass, I'll give you a hall pass. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to base your decisions, or it's, not, it's, it's okay to doubt. It's not okay to base your decisions on doubt. My, my recommendation for you would be this. Embrace the doubt. But pray against the doubt. Study your way through the doubt. Strengthen your resolve to follow the way of Jesus to the end without waver, without, without waffle, without God, I'll, I'll trust you in, in this part of my, of my world, but over here, I need to retain some level of control. I, I, I got this. You got you to let it go. You have to put your entire faith in God for your entire life. James, Jesus' courageous little brother from so long ago, peering over the edge of heaven, if that's a thing. He's saying, don't waver, Christian. Don't, don't waffle. Put your whole faith, your whole trust, your whole belief, everything that you are in Christ alone. And God will take care of you. In a few moments, we're going to receive communion together. It's a holy sacrament in the church. If you haven't received your elements, um, I believe someone in the back has them and if you can get them. Um, but before we, before we receive the communion elements, I think I'd like us to sing a song together. The Lori and the band's put one together, so we're going to sing together and then we'll come up and we'll go through communion. But I would ask you to use this as an opportunity. To make sure that the, uh, the commitment that you made, that you once made, if you've made it, to God is still intact and still as robust as ever. And if there's doubt, recommit. God, I'm going to trust you today. I, I, don't, I don't have enough in the gas tank to get me till the end of the week, but I'll trust you today. And if you'll show up today, then, then let's, go, let's go first thing on Monday morning. We'll do this again. You put a series of those days together, and as God continually shows up, one day you'll wake up and your confidence will be back in the God of the universe who's brought you thus far. Hallelujah. I know you have a story of when God has brought you through. Why would he ever give up on you now? So let's sing, and then we'll receive Holy Communion together. Let's stand together.
This was the uh, part one of the event that changed everything for all of us. Jesus, it's 
gathered his 12 disciples together. And I know it's not in scripture, but I'm almost sure that Jesus would have said something to the tune of, and the next time we're together, <laughs> you're just not going to believe this. But as he sat there with them, he took the loaf of bread and he broke it into pieces and he thanked God for it. He said, take, participate with me, take and eat this. This is my body broken for you, take and eat. He took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them. He said, I want each of you to drink. This is my blood. And it's tying the bow. And it's opening up a new chapter, a new covenant. Between God and his people. My blood poured out for you. Take. symbolically sit at that table so as we remember as we have gathered as a body together to celebrate commemorate the shedding of Christ's blood for you and then three days later climbed up out of that tomb so that you could know the Father, the King over all, including death, so that you have nothing to fear. Glory to his name, the King above all kings, and the Lord above all lords. Can I pray with you before we go? God in heaven, what an awesome reminder it is to be able to share in the Eucharist. The last meal that you shared with your disciples before your crucifixion and glorious resurrection. So this morning as we have come and partaken of these elements, we too want to make sure that we remember the depth and the width and the height of your act so that we could know you so that we wouldn't have to spend an eternity separated from you thank you for the cross and thank you for your sacrifice and thank you for climbing up out of that tomb and thank you for making a way for me to know you thank you for your word thank you for your spirit Thank you for your church. So God, we dedicate our lives to you and humbly ask that you would continue to walk with us. Help us through our doubt to live victoriously because of who you are, to trust you and put our whole faith in you. Be with us, oh God. God bless you and keep you.
and hold you right in the center of his hand. May he lift his face to you and may his countenance shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he give you his peace that passes all of our ability to understand. So don't try and figure it out. Just accept it, that the God of the universe loves you and is for you and walks with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. See you next weekend. Somehow I knew the voice when I heard it calling. Yeah. Don't have it figured out, but I do know one thing. You can try fighting, deny.